HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Cutting the Curd, hosted by Ann Saxelby. You're listening to Cutting the Curd, hosted by Ann Saxelby. You're listening to Cutting the Curd, hosted by Ann Saxelby, broadcast live to the Cosmos on the Heritage Radio Network. Good Sunday afternoon, and welcome to Cutting the Curd on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Ann Saxelby, and our show today is being produced by Jack Inslee and engineered by Nat Wiener. And our generous sponsors for today's show is TechServe. TechServe is New York's premier authorized Apple reseller and service provider, serving individual customers, creative professionals, and Fortune 100 companies. TechServe has built a solid reputation on its expertise in technology, sales, and service. As a company that believes in honest and forthright business practices, TechServe is proud to sponsor Heritage Radio Network and the promotion of sustainable lifestyles. Thank you, TechServe. Um, and my guest today is none other than one of my cheese heroes, um, Max McCalman, who is Dean of Curriculum, Maitre Fromage, and Affinor at uh, the Artisanal Cheese Center, which you can also find online at artisanalcheese.com. And I'm going to spell it because artisanal is one of the most misspelled words in the cheese world. <laughs> that is A-R-T-I-S-A-N-A-L cheese.com. Uh, so thanks for joining me today, Max. It's great to be here. Thanks, Anne. Yeah. So just before the show, you you dropped the bomb on me that you had once been a DJ uh, on the radio. Yeah, that was my first job out of college. Uh, was to be a, the I had the twelve to six shift on uh, an FM radio station. Wow. Uh, mostly playing a, a new wave music uh, like the Groundhogs and. And uh, Brian Eno and stuff like that. And it was yeah, long, long time ago. But that was what I liked, and that's what I played, and I had my own playlist, and so that's what I did. And I, and what was your DJ name? Did you say uh, Maximum Volume? I love it. Yeah, and so later finding a career in cheese, I soon discovered that if you wanted to actually sustain yourself in the cheese business, you had to have volume. So maximum volume stuck. So, <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> maximum volume. I thought maybe you meant volume of your voice when you di- when you taught your classes to get people to to focus. We have some fairly rowdy classes uh, at the Artisanal Cheese Center. Um, I believe it. Yeah, 
put a little the cheese is one thing but uh, then you back it up with a little wine or spirits or beer then after uh, a few minutes then uh, sometimes people become encouraged downright vociferous yes yes um and so I, well, I wanted to, to talk to you about, well, lots of things. I mean, we have a half hour, which is never enough time. Um, but uh, I guess, you know, you wear a lot of a lot of hats and have throughout your career uh, as a cheese man. And I was wondering if maybe you could sort of take us through your uh, your personal development as, a, as an affineur and a, and a maitre fromager. Okay. Um, I've always loved cheese. Uh, my first favorite food, uh, cheese. And so uh, I finally found uh, a way to make a living uh, being a cheese person, uh, working uh, at a Pichelin restaurant as the uh, first full-time cheese guy in a restaurant in North America. And I was given the ti- title of uh, fromager, but because uh, the restaurant couldn't justify uh, the payroll for a full-time cheese guy, I uh, wore the hat of being maitre d' and uh, and cheese guy. So we put the two two uh, jobs together, and I w- became the maitre fromager. I like that. So is that the start. first instance of that uh, of that that term being used? Oh well, here, uh, but of course in France, it's uh, either a cheesemaker or a cheese expert, and uh, I didn't know, but uh, I was the maitre d' and the fromager, so maitre fromager, and. Uh, turned out that was an actual occupation <laughs> the people were asking me questions and i didn't know uh the answers because it's such a vast world as you know there's so much uh there's so many facets to the cheese world uh, it, so so i had to uh, study cheese and i became a cheese scholar and uh, that's what i do i study cheese and how did so? How did you begin your your study? I mean, because like you said, it's not something that anyone here really ever did as a profession. So, mm-hmm. what what were the steps that you took to start to educate yourself? Well, we had um, we had uh, some uh, good assistance by some of the people that supplied cheese uh, to us, uh, like our friends at Neil's Yard Dairy, um, that would come in and uh, look at our what we were doing with our cheese and. Uh, made some recommendations for uh, taking care of our cheese. And uh, I joined the American Cheese Society in the uh, in 1995, uh, which uh, is now 26 years old, I think it is. Yeah. And uh, now with uh, over 1,300 members across North America. And um, so I uh, started studying cheese and uh, went to conferences and went to uh, workshops and... Uh, uh, starting eating as much cheese as possible. I think the best way to learn about cheese is to eat it. I agree and, wholeheartedly. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then uh, got to um, later on. I was asked to judge in competitions and uh, met more people in the cheese world. And then uh, had the opportunity uh, opportunity to travel uh, to uh, dairies here in the United States and uh, and then into Europe uh, more and more and. Um, see uh, see the land and the animals and uh, the cheese making process and help make cheese and, uh, and then also one thing that helped me to learn about cheese uh, because you can only learn so much by reading it uh, we did say of course you eat it but to have a platform of uh, a platform such as wine that was my previous career I was a wine guy mostly and so I would um, find the relationship of cheese to wine and then I started a uh, taste cheese from an aesthetic uh, point of view. 
I remember in your book, The Cheese Plate, um, which for me was like a great eye-opening book when I was first getting started, you know, loving and eating cheese and trying to pursue it also as a career. You talk about um, the idea of, you know, terroir and wines or spirits or beverages produced from certain regions going well with the cheeses that go that are from those regions and or at least with the flavor components found in those cheeses. Mm -hmm. And that was for me, I was like, oh. It was like one of those aha moments, even though it, it, in retrospect, it makes so much sense. You know, of course, all those things grew up out of the same, uh, the same, you know, the same soil. But the um, same water, the same climate and everything else. Unfortunately, I think that this is something that too, too many people um, lazily uh, rely upon as a uh, as a good indicator of what makes for a successful match between uh, cheese and uh any other food or beverage is uh, where it came from because there's so much that goes into cheese making and uh, in the case of wine uh, so much that goes into wine making that gives the cheese its uh, its its characteristics uh, and um, and for the wine or other food or beverage uh, what shapes the flavor aroma texture look of uh, the uh, of the other partner that to say that they just because they came from the same place I think is is a little simple um, it should work, uh, and in more cases than not, cheeses and wines uh, do work uh, well together. But uh, but some of the best pairings between cheese and wines that I've discovered so far are not made anywhere close to each other. And uh, can so, you name a few that uh, that really surprised you over the years as being spectacular pairings? Well, I um, I'm not a huge fan of um, the Shiraz from Australia. Uh, those uh, jammy types of Shiraz, but but some of the best pairings that I found for those kinds of wines are the thistle-rented cheeses from Iberia, such as Torta del Casar or Serena, Azeiton, Serpa, those those types, those, uh, those meaty, nutty, uh, sweet, slightly salty, olive oil-flavored sheep's milk cheeses, and how they pay, uh, play off of um, Shiraz as a that that's a one plus one equals three kind of a pairing between <laughs> cheese and wine. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I think that's a it is it is an art to be able to do those kinds of pairings and and um, you know you were one of definitely one of the premier educators of people about how how to do that. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about the the classes that you've developed as dean of curriculum at the artisanal cheese center? Yes. Uh, well, tomorrow we have we have um, the uh, tomorrow Monday uh, Monday Tuesday Wednesday we have uh, the next uh, installment of our master intensive series where we teach everything that we can possibly uh, teach about cheese in three days time and it does have um, uh, part of what makes the master series uh, a, a draw is the the cheese and wine uh, part. And uh, so the Master Series is what gave my uh, publisher the idea to produce this latest book, Mastering Cheese. Why not take all the curriculum uh, that we offer at the Artisanal Cheese Center and put it into one big book? And uh, so um, at the time, it sounded like a pretty good idea to write a book. And I asked, uh, okay, what is my budgeted word count to write a book titled Mastering Cheese? And it was (laughs) uh, only 300,000 words. It should be uh, like the Bible. It uh, I <laughs> I came in with four hundred and fifty thousand words and had to pare it down to uh, I was able to keep eighty thousand over budget but uh, so uh, it is it's the cheese and wine is 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 one part there's another course that I 
developed last year. It's about the uh, Mediterranean, Mediterranean diet, the French paradox, and how having a little cheese and a little bit of wine or beer, uh, but having a little bit of cheese every day is very important, and it is so nutritious, and so uh, it is such a near-perfect food, uh, and with a near-complete, uh, it is a near-complete food with a great track record for food safety, so uh, part of my mission has to has has become uh, rescuing cheese, well, not just rescuing individual cheeses and finding new cheeses and helping cheese producers find a market, but also to allay people's fears about cheese because it still continues to have a bad rap. That, I know I, you I face can, it all every oh, day. Behind the retail counter, yeah, it's it's ridiculous. And I feel like, you know, here I eat tons of cheese. And you look great. You eat tons of cheese. Oh, thank you. No. And, but I mean, and everyone, when I worked at Murray's, you know, back in the day, all of us cheesemongers were there behind the counter, which I think was like, you know, 24 inches wide between, <laughs> you know, the, the retail counter and the sink in the back. And we all managed to fit through there. So I think that there is kind of unwarranted, um, or, you know, yeah, there, the cheese has gotten the bad rap. It seems like there's a different food every 20 years or so. For a while, it was eggs. You know, now it seems to be cheese. It's the culprit behind, I don't know, fat, cholesterol, you name it. Um, do you have any advice that you can give our listeners about, or, or just insight as to uh, how people can eat cheese? Um, you know, and not not be so concerned about that. Well, we we must do, uh, we must remember that we're we're mammals. Our first food uh, was milk, and that was our only f- food for the first several weeks or months out of our lives. So it must be pretty wonderful, and that's what cheese is made from. It's milk. Um, and to uh, and if that's your your only food for for your formative your, your earliest formative days of your life, and it's got to be pretty wonderful stuff yeah. because that's what cheese is mostly concentrated but milk, of concentrated course. milk, preserved milk uh, without the lactose. Milk has lactose, and cheese has is virtually lactose free. Uh, so people should not be afraid of cheese because of a fear of lactose. Although some people can have some other issues with cheese, it could be a, a low tolerance for certain proteins that are found in uh, certain milk types. But it may not be a lifelong problem. But um, I like to recommend that people have a, a variety of cheese types because some cheeses offer you some, if, if it's for nutritional purposes, mm-hmm. uh, some cheese will give you maybe a little more vitamin B2 and some give you more vitamin A or some some give you more zinc or whatever. But to have a variety, then you have all those micronutrients and um, get, um, and also it's, it's just much more pleasurable. Uh, and if you have, if you're enjoying cheese with a friend or uh, with a group, if you're entertaining with cheese, then you have a better chance of satisfying everyone's uh, taste by having a variety of cheese types. Yeah. And so I remember in your book, Mastering Cheese, um, which, by the way, everybody should pick up a copy of. It's a really wonderful book. It's called the full title is Mastering Cheese Lessons for Connoisseurship from a Maitre Fromager. Um, And I remember reading in the cheese is good for you part of the book that I was very interested in uh, you talking about uh, cheese versus eggs, actually, and nutritional value. And I think you were saying something about um, a two to four ounce slice of cheese um, providing more nutritional value than than two eggs would uh it uh, a better source of uh protein mm-hmm. and uh certainly a lot more calcium calcium being heralded as the numerical mineral um also um but there are all those other uh nutrients that you get from cheese again it's your first food so it's got to be pretty good 
The cheese doesn't give you uh, fiber. It doesn't give you vitamin C. But otherwise, pretty much everything else that you need is there. One thing that's interesting about cheese is that it doesn't give you enough calories. Uh, and before you reach satiety, that is. And so you do get calories from cheese. But you'll, you'll probably say that I'm good uh, before you've had enough calories. So you have to be careful with the cheese diet because it can, it can make you lose weight. And um, that's one reason why... Uh, we are as thin as we are, I think, is because uh, we we eat a lot of cheese, and so we're satisfied uh, with a good, wholesome food like cheese without relying upon other empty calories for, by empty, I mean relatively empty calories. Sure, that would be found in sugars or carbohydrates yeah. or other things like that. Which I like, too. I like those, too. Yeah, absolutely. Like now, we have to supplement our cheese diet with these empty calories to uh, to be able to function life life is tough yeah life is tough <laughs> well you heard it here first on cutting the curd cheese is good for you and you can lose weight <laughs> if eating you want cheese. to but you shouldn't lose weight because i mean you, you reach your i mean not, some people should lose weight but um but the cheese diet is not uh it's not a bad diet and uh well um we actually, we have to take a quick break here on Cutting the Curd, but when we come back, we're going to talk more about um, Max's book and more about the wonderful world of cheese. Stick with us. Welcome back to Cutting the Curd on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Ann Saxelby. My guest today is Max McCalman, Dean of Curriculum Maitre Fromage and Affineur at the Artisanal Cheese Center, and most recently author of the book Mastering Cheese, Lessons for Connoisseurship from a Maitre Fromage. And our show today has been sponsored by TechServe. Um, so, Max, we were talking a little bit before the break about um, uh, the classes that you offer at Artisanal, and I was interested to know uh, uh, about the master class. Um, who takes this class, and uh, what uh, are, are they professionals? Are they cheese lovers? Is it a mix? Um, Definitely uh, cheese, well, maybe not all cheese lovers, but people that are considering uh, a new career in the cheese world, either as a retailer uh, we do have uh, some people in the restaurant business that um, they're, uh, the restaurant will say, well, we have a, a fromager in our restaurant, so we should send them to the uh, Artisanal Cheese Center for the uh, Master Series so they can learn more about um, this wonderful and diverse world of cheese and uh, how to take care of it, how to, how to store it, and how to serve it, and how to pair it, and also to learn about uh, about the nutritive values and the safety concerns and, and how to pair with wine and on and on. But um, so 
uh, the uh, Master Series uh, always seems to have many more women in it uh, hmm. than, than, than men. And uh, I was noticing uh, the roster for the series that starts uh, tomorrow. Uh, we have, um, I think it's about, we try to keep the master class fairly small so we can also uh, spend some time actually working with the cheeses in affinage and, and giving the cheese baths and turning them and brushing them, a little bit of that too. But um, out of the uh, 15 people that are signed up, I think it's 11 of them are women and uh, the rest are guys. And this is often the case some so, people so yeah. guys if you want to meet women who know about oh, cheese yeah. sign yeah. up for the master class at artisanal yeah meet, <laughs> meet some cheese chicks right? yeah <laughs> some cheese chicks um so can you take us through those those three days um what do you what do you guys do we um we uh, uh spent a little bit of time on the history about the evolution of cheese uh, about uh, uh assessing cheeses what makes a goat's milk cheese taste like a goat's milk compared to a sheep's milk compared to a cow's milk the families of cheeses can be also uh, classified by rind type uh, washed rind bloomy rind or it could be blue cheeses it could be natural rinded um, how to uh, describe cheese uh, a glossary of cheeses lexicon of cheese uh, how to uh, how to nurture cheeses how to uh, which how is to the art of affinage, affinage. And um, also, um, we uh, do spend uh, some time on uh, on on cooking with cheese, on on uh, on uh, the kinds of conditions that cheeses uh, uh, elevate, uh, do best in uh, the kind of cheese caves we have at the Artisanal Cheese Center, where we uh, we like to, I like to think of it as a day school for cheese. We acquire the cheese on the young side, and then we put them through day school and uh, give them a little. TLC until the positive reinforcement exactly <laughs> we pat them down at night we sing to them we, we brush them and and uh, give them baths if they need baths uh, <laughs> sure <laughs> but it's mostly maintenance it's not like we we don't make cheese we just try to uh, make it happy make it happy yeah mm-hmm. yeah absolutely Happier. and it'll make happy tummies hopefully somewhere down the way yeah so who are some of your alum alumni from the the master class that have gone on to to do interesting cheese work? Can you think of anybody off the top of your head, or is it? Uh, Gosh, there've been so many. They've been through the artisanal uh, cheese centers master series. I um, offhand, well, uh, the last uh, series uh, we had uh, one uh, student that uh, she flew all the way from uh, Hawaii uh, just for the Master Series and that's the only reason she came to New York is just to take the Master Series because she said that uh, we don't have enough cheese in Hawaii and what we have is not that great and so she wanted to make um, uh, a part-time career as a cheese person in Hawaii and so she's uh, teaching classes in Hawaii now on on cheese appreciation and uh, uh, so uh, well, that's I think that's the longest distance that anyone's come for one of our classes, uh, and it's it's we've had some people from Mexico come, but uh, I think that they were actually a little closer than the person that came from Hawaii. Yeah. How about Europeans? Do you ever have Europeans coming over to take the class? No, we don't. Uh, no, I guess we just can't teach the Europeans very much about cheese. Well, yeah, it's just interesting. I wonder, you know, there. You know, this is where it's happening. I think the excitement, as you know, Anne, the excitement in the cheese world is occurring 
right here on our shores. It is, yeah, because all of the old uh, the European cheeses are based on pretty strict AOC, DOC rules, which mm-hmm. have been in place for hundreds of years. And here people are really um, innovating and experimenting and creating some new cheeses that uh, you know, are really delicious and, and subscribe, subscribe to none of those rules and various components combined of those rules together. And so I think, you know, it, it's just interesting. There is definitely a cross-pollination happening on the making side. If um, only we could make those, uh, make and resell those young, unpasteurized cheeses. Or like the Spanish cheeses and the Portuguese cheeses, like you were saying, this, yeah, the Azital, the Lacerena, yeah, and all that. The thistle rendered to types. There's some cheese that you, you just, they do best uh, where they were first created. And uh, so to try to, there's some cheeses that are like that. That tasted a cheese from. Wisconsin recently, they reminded me uh, of one of those thistle rendered cheeses, but it's not—it's not a thistle rendered. It just had a similar uh, texture and look, and similar flavor. But a sheep's milk cheese from Wisconsin, from from Hidden Springs Creamery in Wisconsin, and I thought, wow, this is this is as close as I've experienced to something like those uh, Iberian thistle rendered cheese, but produced here in the United States. But wow. of course, it's not exactly the same. But um, it's uh, it's. I think that uh, it's very important that, that education uh, be uh, be offered, and uh, it's great that uh, that people are curious about cheese. And this is one reason why uh, the American Cheese Society has endorsed our certification efforts for fromagers, uh, cheese mongers mostly, but uh, people that are. Uh, describing cheese in a restaurant or at a retail setting or someone that's in importing uh, cheese or distribution, they should be able to represent the cheese accurately and uh, be able to give um, the right kind of information to assure uh, the end consumer as well as the cheese maker that the cheese is delivered the way it's intended uh, to be delivered and that it's uh, accurately described and uh, the information is there. So we're developing this certification program uh, who's who's developing? Who's behind that? Is it you and the ACS or? Well, the uh, the we've been at it now as a volunteer committee uh, for almost five years, uh, and uh, my the chairperson of our committee, my friend Sue Sturman, has uh, has been spearheading our efforts, and now the American Cheese Society. Well, they did endorse our efforts, and so uh, we did uh, receive some money to. Uh, find an outside certification agency to uh, to lead us into the next uh, stage of the development of an exam which will be an exam based upon a body of knowledge and uh, so uh, we have gathered together uh, subject matter experts to help us to consider all the many facets that are in the big big world of cheese so that uh, we can make an exam that is uh, 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 credible and certifiable and, uh, and and legal. Wow. And so that would be, again, you said that um, certification program would be for cheesemongers, for importers, for restaurant um, restaurant people and fromagers, um, and anybody else that I missed? or Right. Or any, uh, I would think that uh, to be able to uh, pass this exam, this is... Uh, supposed to be something that's along the lines of this sommelier certification yeah that's what i was just thinking certifications 
Uh, but we would hope that anyone that wants to, uh, who thinks that they might be able to pass the exam, should have uh, at least a few years of experience in the cheese world because it is a moving target. And so much that is happening in the cheese world, again, it's happening here in the United States, but it's happening so quickly, it's hard to keep up with. As, as you know, it's, uh, it's exciting. Yeah, yeah. That's a, I meant it's that's another two full time jobs in addition to your, into you know your three or four full time jobs that you're already holding down to try and uh, anchor that certification program. Well, that's very exciting because here you know we don't have a tradition as much of um, selling cheese and cheese appreciation and and so to have um, a place for people to go who mm-hmm. want to um, be able to train themselves before they get into the workplace that would be really really exciting um so unfortunately we are running out of time here but just for uh two quick seconds i did want to talk about um just kind of what what has changed in the world of cheese uh since you first got your start at picholine where what do you kind of see as uh some of the positive and or you know negative developments in the cheese world I think that one of the great positives in the cheese world is that now uh, there is, uh, with this uh, growing connoisseurship of cheese, certainly the growing connoisseurship here in the United States, there is a recognition that um, uh, that an unpasteurized milk cheese actually uh, might be uh, perfectly safe to eat, uh, or a pasteurized cheese is not necessarily a quote-unquote safe cheese. So there's less fear about uh, raw milk here. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the positive trends. Uh, if there's a negative, I think that it's there is there seems to be more. Uh, there is an appreciation. I have to admit, there's an appreciation for fl- flavored cheeses where some sort of uh, flavorings are added to a cheese, which actually take take away from the milk itself like the chipotle cheese or the peppercorn cheese or you know the there's a place for that certainly but then but then i like to taste uh, good wholesome milk yeah. and if the wholesome milk comes through that's really what it should be about at the end of the day and not about the the pepper or the or the pineapple or whatever it is right yeah absolutely or curry I, or, well we've both we've both judged at many uh, mm-hmm. well you at many cheese competitions me just at one but you know you get those categories sometimes and you're like uh-oh i got the the smoked cheese category or i the got spicy. the bonehead category yeah <laughs> <laughs> exactly but there is but there is a market for that and that's one of those things that's a little bit disappointing about the cheese world it's like that people cheese lovers admitted cheese lovers say i like my flavored cheeses that's fine but yeah. one thing that uh, about the raw milk appreciation is that uh, not only do you have perhaps a safer cheese, but you also have a more flavorful cheese, a cheese that has better keeping qualities and uh, with more delicious aromas and, um, and uh, actually uh, more nutritious, definitely, I think. Well, if we could start, you know, another volunteer committee in our spare time, we could mm-hmm. really put our noggins together and try to think about how to legalize raw milk cheeses that are less than 60 days old in this country. That yeah, it's not fair to us. If we can eat a raw oyster in this country, but we can't uh, choose to eat a young, unpasteurized cheese, I think there's something wrong there. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Although I do like my oysters. <laughs> me yeah. too. If they ever started, yeah, don't don't mess with the oysters. They mm-hmm. are perfect just as they are. Um 
Well, I thank you so much for joining me on the show today. And I would, uh, oh, yeah, no, it was a pleasure. And I would recommend that everybody uh, who's listening go and pick up a copy of uh, Max's new book. Again, the title is Mastering Cheese Lessons for Connoisseurship from a Maitre Fromage. Um, If you can't uh, fly out to New York or you can't, uh, you know, sign up for one of Max's master classes, this is certainly a, a, a tome no pun intended, of, of really valuable knowledge. Um, but as a, as a sort of a closing note, if someone does want to find out more about what uh, you're doing at Artisanal, how can they find out about classes and, and things like that? Uh, the, um, the, well, I, I do have, uh, well, there is the Artisanal website, uh, A-R-T-I-S-A-N-A-L, cheese.com. And also, um, also my calendar of where I'm going to be. Uh, I didn't get this. I'm sorry, I don't have this on the calendar, but where I'm going to be either at a competition or at a conference or speaking somewhere. Um, that's also on my website. That's uh, Max McCallman, M-A-X-M-C-C-A-L-M-A-N.com. And uh, so that's, um, that's pretty up to date, too. So you can find out... Uh, uh, how I'm doing my part to uh, spread the curd. Spread the curd. Absolutely. We try to do that every Sunday here out at Roberta's. Well, I thank you so much again for coming out, and uh, we will see you next Sunday for another episode of Cutting the Curd on the Heritage Radio Network. Preparing on cutting the curd, Max is receiving a free Zagat New York City Food Lover's Guide. Zagat's New York City Food Lover's Guide is a one-stop resource to locate exotic ingredients, select the perfect caterer, shop for cookware or supplies, choose the finest gourmet foods, and more. For more information on Zagat, you can visit www.zagat.com. Thanks for listening to Cutting the Curd.